We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We're dealing with the series, Imitate. And I'll just continue because you guys have sort of fleshed it out some more over the course of the past week. So if you haven't um, caught up with that, just catch up with that. We're dealing with the, the dimension of Jesus and the apostles that we, are, that we are supposed to imitate. And we're dealing with the privilege of Jesus. Right? We started off dealing with the authority of Jesus, that all authority is of God. Right? And all authority of God um, has been vested in the Son. And it's by that authority that he created the world, right? It's by that authority that he sustains the world, right? Awesome. Are we together? Okay. And then we now went into the privilege of Jesus. And we talked about how the privilege of sonship is rooted in the Father's love. Right? Is, is rooted in the Father's love. So we're sons of God. We come into the privilege that Jesus has as son with the Father. Is that, is that right? So we're sons of God by love. Remember we said that we are the product of God's love affair. Yeah, we're the product of God's love affair. And we're ambassadors in the earth. We're ministers of reconciliation. And just like the pattern son, and because we're ambassadors, we're not responsible for ourselves. Our well-being, our security, our safety is the prerogative of the person that sent us out. Right? I'm just doing a quick recap of where I left off and we can continue. So we ambassadors enjoy the privilege of their sending country. The country that sends them. And we saw Philippians 3.20 earlier when we we're singing our citizenship is in heaven. So if we are ambassadors, we are ambassadors because we are in a place we are not from. The place that we are from sent us as ambassadors to a place. So you cannot be an ambassador of Nigeria to Nigeria. Does that make sense? You, you cannot. We don't need you here. If you are an ambassador, you have special rights and privileges that accrue to you by the country that sent you. Does that make sense? Yeah, you have to step out of your home country to represent it. You cannot represent Nigeria as an ambassador to the nations if you are in Nigeria. We have to send you to one nation, whatever nation that is. Does that make sense? So if we are ambassadors, it's, it's, it follows naturally that it means we are not from here. So there's therefore a problem if your entire life revolves around here. Because you're not from here. You're from your sending country. And so if you have a bill to be met, if you have a need to be met, if you have a requisition to make, that requisition is made to your sending country. Does that make sense? Sent to your sending country. They are responsible for you. So we enjoy the privilege of, of um, our sending country. And then we also looked at the fact that Jesus enjoyed the ears of the Father. And we took a lot of time with that. That was profound. He enjoyed the ears of the Father. And you, do, you have the same privilege. For this is the confidence we have when we pray. 1 John 5, 14. That when we pray, he hears. And if we know he hears, we have. If we know he hears. Then we have whatsoever we ask of him. So our having is not in our feeling. Our having is in our knowing that he heard. And because we know he heard, we have. 
And like Nelson said, life will come every now and then and test your, your resolve, test your conviction, test your persuasion. That every time that life throws something at you, is giving you an opportunity to prove what you know. That's all it is. It's giving you an opportunity to, to see if you will stand by faith in what is done. Would you take your stand or would you cower in fear? Would you quickly abdicate because it's not going well? That's when it matters most. Your posture towards God and his word when you're going through is your real posture. That's your real posture. Who you are when life rocks the very foundation of your stability. That's, who, that's the sum total of a person's spiritual character. So if you're sick and everything around you becomes infected by your ill health, then that's the sum total of who you are. You are an, an opportunistic believer. Does that make sense? You're an opportunistic believer. A believer who is in it only for what they can get when it's in their favor. And unfortunately, there's a lot of believers like that. Because when life hits you in the face and rocks you, you're like, leave this church thing first. Leave this God thing. I know we are talking in Christ realities, in Christ realities. I need a prophet. See, this, uh, this matter is not a redemption matter. <laughs> this matter. I need a seer. Oracle. But the sum total of a person's spiritual character is your conviction when life hits you its best shot. When life hits you in the face, what's your posture? Oh, I, I know I believe I'm a son of God, but this one, this kind, go ahead, not out. <laughs> but by prayer and fasting. And then boom, your character changes. Your color changes. Your spiritual tone changes because life has troubled you. But James says, count it all joy when you go through. When? Not if. When? There is a going through with your name on it. Confess all you want. <laughs> Declare all you want. There is a going through with your name on it. It's just a matter of when. And when it comes, what is your posture? To it. Because your posture determines how you go through and how quickly you go through and come out. Amen? So we're not sons of God because the going is good. Oh, I don't have money. Oh, I have money. God is good. God is good because God is good. Yes, sir. He's, good, he's just good because he's good. God's goodness is not measured by what he has done for you. Before there was a you for him to do anything for, he has been good. Before creation, before he did anything in creation, he has been good. He is good. It's not your job that makes him good. It's not your baby that makes God good. It's not your house that makes God good. It's not your salary increase or promotion that makes God good. God's nature is good. Because he's God. So you come out there, you, you get the understanding that God is not trying to prove to you that he's God. Father, if it is you, it is me. It is me. Father, if it be you, it, he say, it be me. <laughs> me be it. Father, if it is you, make me. He will be him and you will not still make. And he's still God. Because his, his nature is not performance based. And I wonder why you as believers still feel like your own nature is performance-based. If your father is God, not because of what he does. Why are you a son? Because of what you does. Because he's, he's God just because. You are a son just because. You cannot be different from your father. Your father is not holding the title because he performed to earn it. Because he has been God before there was a performance. The performance doesn't ratify his God nature. He's God. He actually is performing because he's God. Yes, it's out of the abundance of his God nature that he performs. 
the same thing with you. You are a son just because. It's out of the abundance of your, of your sonship that you're performing. You're a son just because. Because of what he did. Because of his designation of you. That's your sonship. Make sense? So we know it's not a feeling. We know that we are sons. And because we know that he hears when we ask, we have. In other words, when I pray and declare something, I walk away knowing that because he heard it, I have it. So when I pray for healing, I don't have to feel healed instantly. I just have to know healed instantly. Do you understand? And your body catches up with your reality. But you see, because we have, we have allowed certain practices, and they're not wrong in themselves, we have allowed certain practices to creep into um, our faith work and become the yardstick for measuring what God does. So you don't, if, you, if you don't see a man of God say, do what you couldn't do before, bend down, lift it, it's gone, pastor, it was here and it's gone. If you don't see that, you don't believe that God worked in healings. You don't. So people come under unnecessary pressure to perform. No, I've seen God do instant, I mean, you have seen him do instant healings, instant works of healings, but that's not necessarily a formula for healing. Healing is a knowing. Pray for, I don't pray for you and be waiting to see whether the prayer is working. It's not my business. You didn't pray in my name. Because most times it is a sensual reaction instead of a spiritual response. I repeat, most times it's a sensual reaction instead of a spiritual response. When we pray for you, we want to see, has he worked? Because what you're looking for is bragging right. So you can add it to your bag of testimonies and say, here, two weeks ago, I was preaching. And we pray for you and we go. And if you believe that he heard, you have. Because you have, you will have. Amen? So that's our privilege as sons of God. Um, and then we now went into, briefly towards the end of two weeks ago, into the fact that another privilege of, of sons of God that Jesus and the apostles enjoyed was the privilege of angelic ministration. Yeah, angelic ministration. So let's look at that a little bit today, shall we? Yeah, so I established that angels are spiritual beings with divine abilities and no physical bodies. Remember that? Physical and uh, spiritual beings with divine abilities and no physical bodies. I also explained that there is a war or a demand for bodies yeah. in the earth. Yeah, because spirits need bodies to function. Make sense? Jesus came. He was in a body. He didn't do so much. He did okay. He didn't do so much. He didn't travel the entire world. Yeah? He just, he just hit a few Gentile cities. Decapolis, where that guy with the legion of demons was delivered from. That's about as far into Gentile territory as Jesus went. His entire thing was within a 500 mile radius because there was only one Jesus. Are you following me? There was only one body. There was only so much the one body could do. That's why when Jesus was sleeping, nobody was preaching. When Jesus was praying on the mountain, nobody was preaching down here because there's only one Jesus. So he does what he needs to do as son of man in that body and he needs to go and so that other bodies can t take over the thing. So what he now did was to now deposit spirit in bodies. So he ditches his body, goes up as spirit, which is what he has always been, and takes off that spirit and puts inside your body. So now your bodies now become the body of Christ. So now if Christ needs to go somewhere in the earth, he sends you. He's there because you are there. You are the body of Christ. 
your body carries the substance that is Christ. Make sense? Okay. So angels are spirit beings with divine abilities and no physical bodies. We looked at that. We also established quite interestingly that they were not from the beginning. They are, they are not as eternal as God. They were created. You remember those scriptures in Nehemiah and in Psalms and in Colossians? And then I stopped off with our pickup today that angels speak to people. And I, I left you with a question saying, what do they speak? Are they still speaking? Are you interested in this? In the Old Testament, you have a lot of examples, right? A lot of examples of angels beginning to um, appear to people. You know, epiphanies, um, loads of times. With Samson, with Joseph, with, um, um, with Jacob, right? Bethel. Um, with, who else? With Isaac, with... Um, oh, how many more Old Testament examples? Zachariah, yeah. Abraham, yes. Angels. Who else? Lot, yes. Yes. Jacob, yeah. Old Testament, yeah, well, Mary, yes. Sarah, yeah. Sarai. This is where Sunday school will help you. Sarah, anybody else? Any? Gideon, yes. But yeah, I can take Gideon. We're not talking of what kind of angels now, but yeah. <laughs> we can take yeah. Balaam, yeah. David. So who? Hagar, yes. Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Daniel, yes. Joshua, yeah. Michael had issues with um, appearances with Daniel, yeah. Joshua, yes. That was Jesus, though. But that was the Christ, yeah. Any more? How about Balaam? That was very interesting. Any other ones you remember? Abraham, yes. Manoah, Samson's father, yes. You see now, you're showing off. Any others? It's quite a bunch, isn't it? So most times as messengers, they will carry a particular message or instruction to God's people. Can I ask, why do you think that was the case primarily? Why do you think the ministry of angels as messengers of God was so rampant in the Old Testament? Straight up. The Holy Spirit was not resident in people. Enough to download the mind of the Father inside them. Do you understand that? Yeah. Inside them. And then you see a very, very interesting contrast. If you take time and study a bit of angelology, you will see where um, people who had a deposit of the Holy Spirit in them for a particular, let me use the word, upon them. For a particular assignment, even when it was upon them, it was upon them to achieve a particular thing. Do you understand? Like, like Bezalel and, and Aholiab, for instance, when they were going to, to decorate the temple, um, the tabernacle, the Holy Spirit came upon them for craftsmanship. It didn't come upon them for prophecy. <laughs> Do you understand? And when the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, when he was anointed, it didn't come upon him for craftsmanship. It came upon him for prophecy. One of. Do you understand? As soon as Saul prophesied, he collected his spirit and kept We don't see any other record of Saul prophesying. Does that make sense? So when it came upon them, but then it will interest you to know that sometimes when you see instances where the Holy Spirit was upon people for a particular task, not a messenger is not what comes. It is the messenger that comes. So begin to understand the interplay between the Spirit of the Son and then the pre-incarnate Son showing up in response to His Spirit that is upon somebody. 
as opposed to an angel that shows up just to pass a message to someone. That's, that's Bible study homework. The Holy Spirit is upon someone as a little fraction to do what he needs to do. That's what we used to be referred to as the anointing. Yeah? And then because of that, the angel of the Lord would appear to the person. Because the spirit of, that was upon the person was the spirit of the Lord. And then the random person is doing stuff. An angel or a messenger appears to them. Very interesting contrast. But essentially, the bulk of the people did not have the Holy Spirit either upon them. And obviously, nobody had the Holy Spirit resident in them. Yeah, so you can imagine David's multiple interfaces where the Holy Spirit will come upon him for something and it's done and he's gone. For instance, with the whole Goliath thing, the Spirit of God comes upon him, he does that, and the Spirit of God is gone. Make sense? Comes upon him to do something and it's gone. Comes upon Samson, he takes the jawbone of an ass and he slays 200 men. <laughs> done. Rips a lion in two. Gone. It was because of these things that David will always say, take not your Holy Spirit from me. It's not a believer's prayer now. No. A believer doesn't pray, create in me a clean heart. I renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And take not your whole. He cannot take it. He cannot take it. Restore unto me that joy. Where did he go? So it was because the spirit of God was upon them at that time, that David, in getting used to the ministry of the Holy Spirit upon him, upon him, didn't want to ever be without the Holy Spirit. He wanted to drag into now what was for the future. Yeah. Rascal boy. Don't take, why are you collecting the Holy Spirit again? Just, just leave him with me now. See how many Psalms I've written so far. <laughs> just, just leave him with me. Don't take him from me. That was his prayer. Because only together with us could he be made perfect. That's not our prayer. Because the Holy Spirit is in us. Never to leave. Until he delivers us. Until he delivers us. So that's why you had a lot of angelic messaging. Yeah? In the Old Testament. But then in the New Testament, you now see that there is still the ministry of angels. Speaking to believers. If there are no angels, there will be no familiar spirits. Yeah, there has to be an original before there's a photocopy. You cannot have a photocopy <laughs> without an original. You cannot have a counterfeit without an original. That's why there's no fake 2,000 naira note. Because 2,000 naira note does not exist. Do you get it? So let's look at a few instances of angelic appearances in the New Testament. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. You see that? Acts 12. Acts 12. I'll go from verse 5. I need 7 and 8, but we'll go from verse 5. Peter, so we've seen Philip, one of the deacons, right? And here we see Peter was therefore kept in prison because um, it's, it starts, I think this is where it starts by saying that um, they took John and, 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 and killed him. And then when he saw that they pleased the Jews, 
um, he, he took, he killed James rather. And when he saw that he pleased the Jews, he proceeded to take Peter as well. You know, Herod kills James and then sees that people liked the fact that he killed James. So he decided to give them more pleasure by taking Peter to kill him as well. Right? And so they began to pray for him. In verse 5, you see where Peter was kept in prison and constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. We looked at this when we dealt with prayer in, in the STP. Right? But when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison or guarding the prison. Now behold... An angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. For he thought he was seeing a vision, 10. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. So we see that there is also angelic ministry in the New Testament. I said a few weeks ago that until you have been in certain places and had certain encounters, you will not know that some things are real. You know, we, it's very easy to do intellectual believership. Yeah, doing, you know, like, do like this, do like this, do like this. When you stand before two gorillas, you know how far. <laughs> you see, this, I, I've talked over and over about how what we do not see is more real than what is tangible. There's some things that we want to see about the Lord, about the celestial, about the supernatural. That's not your business to see. Is not, just believe that it's working according to his word. What do you think happened when you were going to hit something and, and something knocked you out of the way that you couldn't see? What do you think happened when you were crossing the road and a car should have hit you? You know the car should have hit you. And something snatched you off and threw you off the side of the road and you can't explain what it was. How do you think he intervenes? So that you can't see it doesn't mean stuff ain't going down. Real stuff going down. Real stuff. You want to drink something, you, you are tapped to drop it. And you can swear you felt somebody tap you. So don't put that in your mouth. You want to step into a place and you feel a resistance. You feel like somebody literally stood in your way. I'm very careful to never doubt the amount of the power of God that is at work in. Whenever I feel or somebody wants to make me doubt God's supernatural working, I look at what the devil is doing and I remind myself he cannot be powerful than God. It doesn't take me too long to be convinced that God does supernatural things. All it takes for me is just to look at somebody who went to a babalawo, mixed something, killed a chicken, robbed a powder, and then say, try the gun. And then they shoot a human being like you. And it doesn't penetrate. And then he goes to rob. And then you tell me he's more powerful than... It's not possible. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Are you hearing me? It's, it's, it's not possible. That that can be the case. And God is not able to look after me. 
Because if that guy has his fortification in that person, then our boast is in the Lord. Our boast is in the Lord. Our boast is in the Lord. Are you hearing me? I said earlier that angels exist and therefore familiar spirits exist. And demons can disguise as angels. Most importantly, to communicate anti-scriptural doctrine or instruction. Demons can disguise as angels, most especially to communicate anti-scriptural doctrine or instruction. In other words, the litmus test for what God is saying to you is if it checks in in the written word revealed in the light of Christ or else it wasn't God that spoke. Even if you are convinced it's God you heard. So you see Paul says in Galatians 1, I say to you, if anybody comes to tell you something other than what we have said, even if it be an angel or us, that person is accursed. Galatians 1, verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Stay there and let's see how the TPT puts this. Anyone who comes to you with a different message than the grace gospel that you have received will have the curse of God come upon them. For even if we or an angel appeared before you to give you a different gospel than what we have already proclaimed, God's curse will be upon them. 2 Corinthians 11. Let me go from verse 12 just to get the pretext. But what do I do? What I do, I also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. 14, uh, 13, for such are false apostles. So then they, false apostles, deceitful workers, look at this, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. So there is people in the earth, this is talking about human beings now, yeah, who are false apostles. Stay here in the TPT. For they are not true apostles, but deceitful ministers who masquerade as special apostles of the anointed ones. Stay here and go to see the message. They are a sorry bunch. Pseudo apostles. Lying preachers. Cricket workers posing as Christ agents, but sham to the core. See verse 12 in the message to explain to you what's going on here. I'm just trying to keep things open and honest between us, and I'm not changing my position on this. I'll die before taking your money. I'm giving nobody grounds for lumping me in with those money-grubbing preachers. Vaunting themselves as something special. This is the pretext. 13. Yeah, sorry, bunch. So we that are preaching the gospel and refusing to take your money, you are calling us the ones that are false. You don't have sense. And so I don't have time for you. You're the one that's collecting all the money and collecting. Now you have already collected first fruit of January. You have collected New Year offering. You have told them to prepare the first harvest of thanksgiving for January after 21 days fast or 28 days fast because the God you have introduced to them as serving cannot do anything for them in a human timeline except they pacify him with fasting and prayer. 
You must dedicate the month to the Lord that your year be secure. With all that you said last year, you didn't see anything that happened last year. You didn't see anything. 40 days, 21 days, what? It's 90 days. You still didn't change anything. Nothing changed. And you have still not woke. This year you are about to do it again. And to do it all over again. You're not tired of religion. Bring an offering, hold an offering in your hand to cross over without carryover. An offering that can change your suffering. And you will gladly go today that Christ lives in you and your bodies are the living sacrifice. You still go and lie on a physical place as called altar. That he will do what for you? Rush now. Rush now to this exalted altar. Rush now. We built the altar. We exalted it all. With our money and our cement. If the altar is exalted, it is us. No, we can't touch it. <laughs> what are we will build? What are we will build where we erect? Rush us, drop it on the altar, drop it. That the altar will do what? This place is only high, so camera can see us. That is all. And the higher the place in the room you are, the closer to heaven you can collect it. It seems supposed to untire you by now. We are sons. Your mentality must shift from servanthood to sonship. It must. It must shift. From servanthood to sonship. We are sons of God. Hey, let he who boasts, boast in. This is our boast. Oh. This is our boast. This is our forever boast. Sons of God have an inheritance in the Father. Ratified through Jesus. Guaranteed by the Holy Ghost. I cannot miss it. It cannot miss me. I'm not looking for it. I have it. I have it. There are dimensions of it I will enjoy in the here and now. There are dimensions yet loading for the day of the Lord. I have it. And when you understand that, you begin to look at the ministry of angels objectively. Are you following me? Let's finish this. We're in verse 14, I think. Pseudo apostles, yeah? <laughs> Second Corinthians, yes. Sorry, bunch. Pseudo apostles. Go on. Lying preachers, crooked workers. Posing as Christ's agents, but sham to the core. 14. And no wonder Satan does it all the time. Dressing up as a beautiful angel of light. This is where when I tell you that Mount Zion, as beautiful as their ministry was, lied to us. You say, Pav, why are you being so disrespectful? Because anybody that tells you that Satan has two horns, has a fork with two things, and has a long tail, lied to you. The guy was the first person to be called morning star. He lied to you. Ah, don't destroy our ancient landmarks. The word of God is the ancient landmark. 
Not what somebody introduced to you 50 years ago. The word of God is the ancient landmark. That's why he is the ancient of days. Not our forefathers. Our real father. He's the ancient of days. Not our forefathers. In the Lord and not of the Lord. Our father, our real father, is the ancient of days. So see devil. <laughs> Even somebody in the church of Satan, if they see Satan how he appears, they will repent and go. Trust me, you don't, Satan doesn't need to work hard to have disciples if he shows up as ugly, big two-pronged teeth, carrying a fork, two horns, you know, big ears, long tail, black cape, you know. <laughs> Who is on my side? Everybody go shift. Ain't nobody gonna go there. Because it's obvious it's bad news. But because the guy is a smart Alec, he looks beautiful. Can I say something very controversial? At Satan's worst, he might look nicer than at Satan's worst, he might look nicer than Jesus at his best. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. At Satan's worst day, no makeup. Yeah, no bling bling. Nothing. He can be finer than the best day of Jesus in the earth. You know, Jesus going to Zacchaeus' house or Jesus chilling, you know what I mean? Not Jesus being tempted, not Jesus, you know, praying and his eyes sweat with us, drops of blood. You know, Jesus in the Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus in, Peter, in Martha, Mary and Lazarus. You know those good days of Jesus. The good days of Jesus. At Jesus' best. Sit and find pass. There was no glory in him. To be desired, Isaiah 53. There's nothing, they didn't look at Jesus and go, Ah, Jesus, fine boy, man, let us follow. Ah, like, Baba, Jesus, the nice, the marama, Jesus, the perfect, Jesus, pretty. Let's follow him. Whatever he's fishing, let's go and fish. He will pay us. At what point? They said he's going to kill himself. Let's go. Let's die with him. They were not following him because he was fine. So be careful if you are following something because the person is fine. Even if the person's name is Pav, you are dead. These guys are acting like this because their boss is like this. That's what Paul is saying there. Let's continue. We're in 14 going to 15. So you can see for yourself. Satan himself, we are in the message. Does it all the time, dressing up as a beautiful angel of light. TPT 14. TPT 14. That doesn't surprise us, for even Satan transforms himself to appear as an angel of light. So you must be careful what you receive because it's an angel that showed up. You must be careful. Karashika, karashika. You got to be careful, y'all. Ah, angel appeared to me. So what? So what did the angel say? How consistent is what the angel said to what has been said? Not to what the angel looked like. Are you here? Are you a bamboozle? The angel hit you. Bah, you fell on the ground. You could not see. The angel was so bright. So what? What did the angel say? 
how consistent is what they said with what has been said by the word. Because Satan too did not lose his transformer powers. Transformers. I didn't lose it. Come off. 15. Message. 2 Corinthians 11, 15. So it shouldn't surprise us when his servants masquerade. Look at this. As servants of God. King James actually says, disguise themselves as ministers of righteousness. Put New King James. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Are you here now? Ministers of righteousness. Somebody can sell you righteousness with one hand and collect it from another hand. If he, if he tries to pseudo the righteousness, see, minister of Satan. Anybody that preaches you are righteous, but is serving Satan. I didn't say it, sir. Your Bible did. Yes, we agree you are saved, but pseudo. We should add false before your apostle title. It's in scripture. It's in scripture. You look at me like that. Paul said it. We should add pseudo before your gospel. Because you are trying to write an appendix that does not exist. You are bringing a gospel which is another which really isn't another. There's only one gospel. So it doesn't matter who the person, no matter how good their intentions are. Or if you tell them the liberty they have in Christ, they will sin. Eh? Is it your sin? When they sin, is it you they are offending? Is it your blood that is being spent to save them? Or is it the reputation of your church you are worried about? Don't come and make us look bad. Don't make us look unrighteous. Sometimes you throw people out because you don't want to be stained by their mess. Meanwhile, if only we saw how your own stinks. You victimize people because they sin differently. You beat your wife up, nobody knows, nobody sees. You come to church and judge people. Why are you wearing that kind of thing? You're going to hell. You, you're already there. Yeah, you're the mentor of people going to hell. You understand? You're just here doing life coach. <laughs> the people that are lining up to follow you. You tamper with figures. It's okay. It's alright. You're an arm robber. Your pen is your gun. Your calculator is your weapon. They say, ah, you're wearing bomb shorts. But in your head, you have already undressed her. Even if she's fully clothed from top to bottom. No, we're not, nobody's called to regulate anybody's sin. Nobody. We're called to preach the liberties of his grace. And it comes with a manual. The person that wrote the manual knows how to arrange you. I didn't write it. I didn't save you. I just show you what the word says. I just show you what the word says. It's very mischievous to think that somebody will see Jesus and want to sin. It's, it's mischievous. It's insulting on the grace of God. For you to think that somebody will see Christ as he is 
and determined to walk away sinning. What was wrong with you? Jesus healed a man and said, quiet. Don't tell anybody. Did the man hear? The man almost killed Jesus before his time. Literally, literally speaking. Literally speaking. Nearly sabotage our salvation. Because if Jesus had died one day early, that's not what was written. No. That would have reduced the volume of the book that was written. You know, I come in the volume of the book. <laughs> he would have reduced the volume. And the outcome would have been tampered with. So it's not a joke. Jesus, did, Jesus could not afford to die a minute earlier than he did. No. He couldn't. Don't tell anybody. Nah, the guy went away, jumping, leaping. They said, hey, how can you describe what happened? He said, me, I don't know. All I know is once I was blind. <laughs> now I can see. And then you encounter new life. I want to walk away. And disguise it. It's not possible. Somebody who wants to go on sinning is somebody who has always been a sinner and is comfortable with it. Nobody encounters grace and truth and wants to stay the same. Nobody. Nobody encounters grace which is truth and wants to stay the same. It's not our business to start wondering what you would do with grace. Ah, he, you, we were sinners, we were enemies of God. He gave us grace. He gave us his best at our worst. Oh, come on. Can we move on? So, because of this, we do not take doctrinal instruction from angels. Angels also. Okay, I just saw something. First Peter chapter 1. And that's beautiful, actually. First Peter 1. And verse 12. First Peter 1 Peter 1.12. Um, let us, let's go back a little bit to verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that will come to you. The prophets prophesied of the grace that will come to you. Searching what? Or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. Verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Tipity, verse 12. God revealed to the prophets that their ministry was not for their own benefit, but for yours. And now you have heard these things from the evangelists who preached the gospel to you through the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The gospel containing wonderful mysteries that even the angels long to get a glimpse of. So was I right or was I correct? The message. All they were told was that they were serving you. You who by orders from heaven have now heard for yourselves through the Holy Spirit. The message of those prophecies fulfilled. Do you realize how fortunate you are? Angels would have given anything to trade places with you. 
You hear mopping, oh, be a God, why am I sick? If you're God, why did it happen? Angels are jealous of you. And sometimes you can genuinely understand why they genuinely feel like slapping you. Because they'll be like, because an angel would rather suffer as a son of God than shine as an angel. They rather enjoy the privilege of taking persecution for the gospel. And knowing that they chose to stick with God. Because they didn't choose. They can't choose. Imagine all the flurry of activity in heaven is over your matter alone. The cacophony of angels moving around. Every activity in the throne of God is over you. He's forcing over you like a mother hen over her chicks. Constantly and angels are like, ah, ah, what is man? So, so it turns out that it is them that are privileged when we allow them sing praise with us. It is not, it's not for us. It's not angels are singing. You are, no, 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 no. It is the angels that are saying, these songs are singing. You are, no. It's not us celebrating what angels are doing. No, 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 no. It's them enjoying our company. So the moment we were saved, we came to innumerable company of angels. Hebrews 10, right? Innumerable company of angels. Our presence is what adds color to their existence. Literally. That's why they rejoice when one son finds his way home. Angels are like, whoa, here comes another son. Here comes another son. That's the color. That's everything about heaven's activity. is sonship. So they celebrate. They sing God's praise. As sons now, they join us to sing his praise. Because there's no way that says he delights in the praises of angels. He delights in the praises of his people. Hallelujah. Beautiful stuff, isn't it? So because of this, we know that now we do not worship them. We do not pray to them. And we do not look for them. We do not worship them, angels. We do not pray to angels. We do not look for angels. Colossians 2 and verse 18. Are you still here? Colossians 2 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward taking delight in false humility and worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Go on. And not holding fast to thee Head from whom all things, from whom the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Lupus 18 again in the TPT and in the message. Don't let anyone disqualify you from your prize. Don't let their pretended sincerity fool you. As they deliberately lead you into their initiation of angel worship. Me, I love to teach God's word. Because whether you like it, no matter how it does you, it is the word. Rightly divided, it says what it says. 
I'm just the messenger. He says what he says. And these are not Africans writing. Start again from the top of the verse. Don't let anyone disqualify you from your prize. Don't let their pretended sincerity fool you as they deliberate. Pretended sincerity deliberately fooling. Leading you into their initiation of angel worship. For they take pleasure in pretending to be experts of something they know nothing about. Their reasoning is meaningless and comes only from their own opinions. Isn't that the state of the church? Isn't that the state of social media? The state of almost every doctrinal argument that is baseless. Somebody will tell you, give me answer in scripture. You give them answer in scripture, they'll still be angry. And they cannot even justify their anger from scripture. Baseless arguments. It comes only from their own opinions. Message, same verse. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life. Ordering you to bow down and scrape. Insisting that you join their obsession with angels. And that you seek out visions. I mean, these things are clear. There are a lot of hot air. And that's all they are. Gas. From the worst of places. <laughs> don't, don't give them too much credit by calling them nitrogen. Or, or, or hydrogen. <laughs> hot air. That's all they are. Revelation 19.10. Revelation 19.10. Go back a verse earlier. Then he said, as the angel that appeared to John, Blessed are, just, let me, just loop, loop, loop it back a little bit. I, just, I want to pick it up from where the thoughts begins. I need it from 1821. Then a mighty angel, right, took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. And the angel keeps talking into verse 19, chapter 1. I heard, after these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude. And it just goes on, on and on. And then it comes to verse 9. Then he said to me, that's the angel that was speaking. Verse 18, right? Then he said to me, write. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Ooh, so blessed to be yours. So blessed, so blessed. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because I'm called. I have an IV. Guaranteed. I have an IV. Paid by the blood. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. See verse 10. And I, that's John the Revelator now, John. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said, see that you do not do that. I'm just a servant like you, like your brothers and sisters who hold to the witness of Jesus. The witness of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I've taught you this in this house before. That if prophecy comes, it must be testifying of Jesus. Or is it a contrary spirit? Somebody who is saying, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. And he's not seeing Christ. He's a sham according to scripture. I see, I see, I see. If you are prophesying, you are, you are putting Christ on display. Prophecy is not telling you what is happening in your, yes, in your family, you are five, you are the only boy, you are the second boy. Uh -huh. And so, because the testimony of Jesus is the fuel for prophecy. 
And First Corinthians 14 explains that in verse 2 or 3, that he who prophesies, prophesies for edification, encouragement, and comfort. And I've taught you comfort there is not, oh, your mother died, oh, be comforted. That's not what scripture was referring to as comfort. Because that's not what the Holy Spirit was giving to you for. The Holy Spirit was not giving to you as comfort, to be comforting you when you're crying. That's not what comfort. I will send you another comforter. Jesus was not telling them, yeah, you are crying. Oh, so sorry. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. That, was, that doesn't sound like a comforter. In the human sense of comfort. See, if, if you don't deny yourself, carry your cross, you can't follow me. How does that sound comforting? In the sense of goosebumps, comfort. I feel so comforted. My comforter. Jesus is my comforter. No, 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 no. It's not sensual. It's not emotive. That's not comforting in the sense. Comforting in the sense of your assurance of salvation. Your assurance. That's comfort. Comfort one another with these words. Assure one another with these words. That's the translation. And when prophecy comes, prophecy comes to bring assurance, not fear. Because that's the spirit of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus. Are you following me? Let's wrap this up. So we don't worship angels. Is that clear from scripture? Yeah. You've seen that over and over. We don't. Colossians deals with that, you know. Um, oh, shall I show you one or two more? So let, let, let's go further to the fact that angels have granted abilities. I explained earlier that, that they're messengers. They give you one. They get a message, information. They pass it across. And that's it, right? Angels have granted abilities. In, in Revelation 19, you just saw one. It says that where a, a mighty angel threw a stone into the sea, right? At the resurrection of Jesus, you saw where an angel rolled the stone away. Okay. It was also an angel that passed over in Egypt. Yeah? At the Passover. Okay. So they have granted abilities. Psalm 103 and verse 20. Psalm 103 and verse 20. Psalm 103 verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength. So they have might. Does that make sense? Power under control. Hmm? Power under control. His control, my control. That's, that's what I'm trying to get you to. Make sense? Because it goes back to the authority of Jesus and you having that authority. They excel in strength. The message. So bless God, you angels, ready and able to fly at his bidding. Quick to hear and do what he says. 2 Peter 2.11. 2 Peter 2.11. So it says, whereas angels who are greater in power and might than the average human being, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. I don't want to go into the context of that, but the context of what I want to show you is that angels excel in power and might. The, in, the conversation there is very different and it's not what I want to, to dabble in today. Show us in the message, the, the TPT first, 2.11. Yet even angels who are greater than they. Go back to verse 10. And this applies, especially applies to those who live their lives despising authorities and who abandon themselves to chasing the depraved lusts of their flesh. They are willfully arrogant and insolent, unafraid to insult the glorious ones when angels that are greater than them were not there. That's a story for another day. 
But you get the point. Angels are greater in manifest strength and might. Are you following me? So, so there is the place of the authority. Oh, Holy Spirit, should I go here? There's a place of the authority and power of Christ in the believer that is manifest through the ministry of angels. In other words, there's a level to which, Holy Spirit, there's a level to which I, as a son of God, am powerful, that that power is as manifested by the angels that serve me. Because physically speaking, sir, we and I know, say, you know, get power. You're as big as Stephen is. If 20 of Stephen catch Stephen, it's only one he will do damage to. And only as long as it takes the other 19 to damage him. So no matter how powerful you are in the flesh, you're not so powerful. So your power is really in the residue of your spiritual reality. And that sometimes is as manifest by the powerful forces that are serving you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's important to, as we, as we have explained what angels are not, let's also appreciate what they are. And they are powerful. If you, a car is going to crash, all it takes the angel to do is that. And the car is going to end up somewhere else. It's not your Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They excel in strength. Are you here? They have granted abilities. Matthew 28 and 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake for, the, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. One angel descended. Earthquake. One angel descended and there was an earthquake. Because angel just dropped to roll back the stone. <laughs> Tipity. Verse 2. Suddenly the earth shook violently beneath their feet as the angel of the Lord Jehovah descended. One angel. Descended from heaven, lightning flashed around him and his robe was dazzling white. The guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead men. <laughs> Sixteen soldiers. Though. Then the angel, four quaternions. <laughs> then the angel walked up to the tomb. the <laughs> way the stone sat on top of it. <laughs> Don't mess with my angel. They, they got skills, real. They got skills. They got skills, like superhero skills. Superhero skills. One more scripture. Revelation 18, 21. I showed you that earlier. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea. So these guys have granted abilities. Because of all of this, I said they are spiritual beings, abilities, no bodies. It takes, therefore, granted ability for humans to see them. It must be granted to you to see them. You do not need to see them. You should not, I said it an hour ago, you should not pray to see them. But you can see them should he so choose. Does that make sense? Me as I am like this, I don't need to have one encounter with God. Ouch. Because this will trouble religious people. 
From now until this corruption takes on incorruption, I don't need to have an encounter. What, what, is, what is the encounter going to do for me? Make me believe God better. I don't need it. I believe in full. It's his faith. So really, what is an encounter doing for me? What is it strengthening? So when I come off the encounter, I will believe the word better. No, the word is for believing. Oh, Father, grant me an encounter with you. Grow up. Grow up. You are crying for encounter when you are the encounter. Go out there and let somebody encounter God in you. Grant me an encounter. Grant me an encounter. Grant me an encounter. What other encounter do you want? That it will help you to do what? I don't need no wall to open. To see whether the vision is open, closed, or semi-closed. You know how we have, let, let me explain to you. Today I'm going to be teaching you on open visions. That, you, that, that it will do what for you? Close vision. Who closed it? So we, keep, we, we now leave our reality and start looking for the mystical. That's what has messed up the church. You start looking for the mystical. You want gold dust. Angel feathers. Shekinah glory. Glory cloud. A phrase that existed only in the Old Testament. A phrase that existed in the times of inferior glory. Is what you are looking for now in a New Testament church gathering. Glory cloud. So we start looking for the mystical. How oh, that man of God was powerful. When he was doing brrrr, this and that was happening. Who sent you? We are talking imitate. We will get there. Why did we not see one such example in the New Testament church? Who sent you? So we start to look for mystics. Mystics. Somebody will come. Hey, yeah, give me water. Give me water. Stand up. Yeah, yeah, brrrr. What? And then you're like, mm, mm, it's water. But because you're looking for something to move you. The water that touches you now looks like it was chilled at a different temperature. Ah! Spirit, spirit, spirit. Mumu. Because what is revealed of the sun is enough. It's enough for the believer. What is revealed of God by the sun, in the sun, of the sun, is enough. So if water will do what revelation could not do, you're a suspect. If it's oil that you want to do what the Spirit of God inside you could not do, you're a suspect. You, we should turn you to oil and spread you. Canel, then we go canel oil. You know, coconut oil. Fish oil. And then a pastor, you come to a pastor with a problem. The pastor gives you prescription like juju priest. Bring one yam. The yam should be semi-ripe. May the yam, <laughs> may the yam never ripe too much. It's how you affect the assignment. You affect the prayer. So, you know, semi-ripe yam. Two months before harvest. Bring your, your offering in 20 naira notes. Fresh 20 naira notes. In an envelope. Mint, not the squeeze, squeeze one. It's how you squeeze it, you will squeeze your blessing. And by the time we mystify these things, you now feel like, ah, this man, he knows. knows he master train him well. Yeah, his master train him well. Yes, he knows this thing. He knows his work. This prophet has no her work. Because you want mysticism. Something that was never promised in the New Testament church. And I understand that this kind of preaching will not bring many people. But it will raise sons. It will raise sons. 
Because you have to get tired of this nonsense. That's why we keep teaching gently. Taking our time. Because we're looking for mystics. Lord, let me encounter you. Lord, let me encounter you. have encountered him. Oh Lord, I wonder what an angel looks like. What relevance does that have to your salvation? Because listen, that's how you pray for stuff that is not in your remit to receive. The devil will give you. I've said over and over for years, the only thing worse than God not answering your prayer is for Satan to answer it on his behalf. In other words, it is better for you that you receive no answers. To some, hey, it's, it's some of the loudest answers to your prayer is in the silence of God. Did you hear what I just said? Some of the loudest things God says is when he's quiet. You will just suddenly hear inside what he didn't say. You will hear. And that's why it bothers me when church is afraid of silence. Be still and hear what he will say. You know, it's not something we're used to in church. You start to feel uncomfortable. Because he is loud when he's quiet. And if you punctuate that quiet, the devil will fill it with the noise you want to hear. And the devil will not fill it as, oh, I am the devil. He will camouflage into the voice you have gotten accustomed to hearing. Because you want to hear itchy ears. You want to hear. So you must be careful to not push divinity ahead of his plan for your life. You must be careful. Push, don't push. Don't just follow. You are the follower. Always remind yourself. I am not leading the Holy Spirit. I am as led by the Holy Spirit. Are you here? Don't try to lead him. Don't try to see. We must, we must see. It takes a granted ability. Numbers 22. Oh, Holy Spirit. Guys, are you getting this? Numbers 22. <laughs> I love this story, man. You know this story? <laughs> okay, can we just read it for fun? From verse 22. I need, I need, I need further down, but let's go from, from, from 22. Numbers 22, 22. And God's anger was aroused because he went and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw that the angel of the Lord standing in the way was with his, with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way. Donkey could see angel. Man could not. And went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards. With a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Poor donkey. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she just laid down under Balaam. And he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you? That you have struck me these three times. And Balaam said to the donkey, it even has a donkey, how come you can't even talk? He just entered dialogue straight like cartoon. It's like he was waiting for the donkey to talk so he can bear his mind to the donkey. He said to the donkey, Because you have abused me. <laughs> I wish there were a sword in my hand. I forgive you. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? 
was I ever disposed to do this to you? And then Bilam now reasoned. Bilam now said, no. Now see verse 31, that's what I'm going to show you. And the Lord opened Bilam's eyes and he saw the angel standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his head, fell flat on his face. The Lord opened his eyes to see the angel. And I could teach a thousand messages from here about how every time what is in the way is not the devil. What is in the way is not against you. We have been so programmed, especially as Africans, to think of enemies as powerful and as after us. Anything that happens, enemy. An insect bites you because you don't know what kind of insect it is. You say they scratched you in your sleep. A cat cannot meow in peace again. For you to be safe, you want the cat to bark. You understand? You see a cat, woof, woof, ahead, I'm fine. But a cat meowing, witches. An owl cannot hoot again. You want the owl to whistle like a nightingale. A cat cannot be black again. Nah, I tell you. When this thing happened, when my leg bent, I looked and a cat was meowing. That's typical African response. Typical. And I start to show you patterns. Patterns. 33, this one died. This one, 33, they didn't marry. This one, 35. Check your family. How many people at 33 have not married? How many people started school, did not finish? How many people now start to do analytics? Permutations, calculations. Say, ah, you must break devil patterns, evil patterns. Abraham lied. Isaac was his wife, was his sister. Isaac lied. His sister was his sister. Jacob lied. Jesus stopped that nonsense. Yes, Can cycles be pushing you on this side of the cross? On this side, you are telling me what happened to Abraham. How is that my business? Oh, but it happened to your father. That's my father. That's his business. I drew a bloodline. I don't look like where I'm from. I'm not living like where I'm from. I'm not getting along like where I'm from. He drew a bloodline. May I chose to believe all the way. I don't have time for progressive deliverance. And the one at the cross was complete. I don't have time. I don't have time. Because what we are calling deliverance today for believers is exorcism for unbelievers. I don't have time. He cycles, there's patterns, generational things. You now start to join this scripture, join that scripture, join that scripture that doesn't make sense. Paul says their reasoning is illogical. Their reasoning makes no sense. Just try, you're just trying to put stuff together to convince us to be afraid enough to need what you think is only you that can give. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, you, that's, what, that's the game. Oh. That's the game of religion. Add this one, add that one, bamboozle you, rattle you enough until you are afraid to agree that hey, your answer is only in what I can give you. In the kind of prayer I can pray, the kind of pomade I can bless, the kind of bathing I can bath you, the kind of oil I can give, the kind of prescription I can prescribe. That's the only way out of your predicament. No, sir, Jesus was the way out. I'd rather live poor and true to the word than prosper of the ignorance of somebody else. There's no glory in that. As for weaklings, it's weaklings that cannot do well except by the ignorance of somebody else. Weaklings, cowards. Cowards, if you're anointed, prove it. Teach the word, stop the gimmicks. Stop it. 
You are called. Stop the nonsense. Come and stand here, preach. Let me stand, preach. Oh yeah, let's prove it. Prove it. I dare you, cut out all the nonsense. Cut out all the instruments. Cut out the oil, cut out the food, cut out the water, cut out, cut out, just stick to the gospel. Preach, I preach. Give us time. Prove it. Let's see who will live better off. Who will prosper better off. Who will raise people better off. Cut out the nonsense. I'd rather live content at my means. I'd rather live and not take what I have not been given than to bamboozle people in order to get ahead of them. It is evil to pastor a people you have caged. It takes a level of darkness extraordinary to pastor a people you have caged that quake at your presence. Some of them lie down for you to enter. You thrive off of the fact that you have made them zombies. They need you. They need you. People you have caged. People, you have, people that are afraid of you. And you come and say, I declare a blessing over you. My friend. At what? Travel without telling me. No, 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 no. The earth is the Lord's. You might as well tell me that you're going so I know where you are. Simple. Accountability is beautiful. So that's why we tell you to be accountable, not because we want to rule over you. Who has time? Do you know how much we're dealing with? But it's good to know where you are and be led by the Spirit of God. And we can't, if you thrive off somebody else's ignorance, you are evil. If you prospered by defrauding or depriving someone, you are evil. And we say, well, Pastor, I'm a man of God. My church, my church, my church, my church, my church. No, sir. So it's not popular, but we teach you the word of his grace. That you grow thereby and receive grounding. Everything is the devil. Everything, everything, somebody's devil. Your legs swell is the devil. Your face pops up is the devil. You woke up, you, you couldn't turn your neck. Ah, they've done you. Check the pillow you slept on. Check the posture you slept. Oh, I woke up my hand. I couldn't feel anything. Hey, my friend, blood stops flowing. If you stay on your, on your hand for too long, it will go numb. You sit down you, after a while, even on the toilet. It's just blood flow, sir. Ah, 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 ah. I had to stop praying because I couldn't, I couldn't flow my leg again. They've done my leg. My friend! You must change your conditioning. No, nobody's after you like that. And even the ones that are cannot fit. They can't, they can't fit. They can't reach you. They can't. They, oh, something happened. I went and then my, my boss just said, I know they programmed him like that. And they did him. They did him. They did, no, they did indeed. Sometimes the Lord is in the way. So he opened Balaam's eyes to see the angel. Otherwise, Balaam couldn't have Thank God there was no sword. Or let me, or better put, thank God the sword that was wasn't in Balaam's hand. And the sword was in the right hand, not in the wrong one. Are you here? Let me finish this. Second Kings six seventeen. Second Kings six and seventeen. Go back a little bit, go back a couple of verses. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing and he called his servants and said to them we're not sure which is what is the king of Israel and one of his servants said none my lord but O king but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel who tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom 
So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And he was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And he said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those that are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, full stop. And behold, it's difficult to call some scriptures and not explain it and just... There's something he does to me as a teacher, you know, it's just. And he saw. What did he see? He saw, full stop. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Next verse. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike these people, I pray, with blindness, and he struck them with blindness. Angels, chariots surrounding them. Elisha saw, the young man couldn't. Elisha prayed, and the eyes of the young man opened to see. Luke 2, 13. This is, okay, go back to 12. This is the birth of Jesus, right? And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He's no longer Mary's boy child. Yeah, you come every year and be seeing the first Noel, the angels, and say, Oh, holy night, the stars are burning, shining, it is the night of a dear savior. <laughs> it was once a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel telling the shepherds, This was the shepherds in the field. You know, the angel appeared to shepherds while they were watching their flock. Why shepherds watch the flock by night. They see a brand new shining star. Yeah. They hear a choir sing a song. The music seems to come from afar. Yeah. Me do so. Hark now. <laughs> Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace, God will to men. This happened, kuru kuru eyes. Angel appeared to shepherds. Shepherds saw angel. While angel was telling them that Jesus had been born, other angels appeared with this angel, praising God. The reason why Luke could write this was because the shepherds saw the angels singing. Does that make sense? So we'll put all this together, we'll wrap it up into what it means for the believer. Can we do that? But before that, there's an interesting twist to this whole angel business. You are the one son of God that will judge them. Are you not foolish to want to worship and be afraid of angel that you will judge? 1 Corinthians 6 and 3. If I go from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 6 from verse 1. Dare any of you having a matter against each other Go, go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Please put it back in TPT. I said I don't like calling a scripture and not at least explaining what that scripture means. Furthermore, how dare you take a fellow believer to court? It is wrong to drag him before the unrighteous to settle a legal dispute. Isn't it better 
to take him before God's holy believers to settle the matter. And then you, you are offended that somebody came to report you to your pastor. Who should they report you to? The police? Because some of us believe that we'll be more comfortable taking it to a neutral person than taking it to our common under-shepherd. Is it not better to take it before holy believers to settle the matter? No, I don't want anybody knowing my business. You're a fool. Why should my business be discussed in church? Because church is your business. This is your business. Now the problem is that we take you to be our only business. You, you just added us to your many businesses. That's the problem. And that's the pain of pastoring. You carry people as priority. They treat you as an option. Over your matter, I will stop everything and push myself and stretch myself and pour myself out for you. But for me, it's an option. When it doesn't suit you, you can switch it off. But you know that I'm always going to be there for you. You are wicked. Very wicked. Because if I'm your business, you're my business. Church is our business. This is our business. Your job is not your business. This is our business. Family is our business. We deal with our business in-house. In here. Here. Paul even makes it stronger in his indictment to the church. See the next verse. Don't you realize that we, the holy ones, will judge the universe? We. If the unbelieving world is under your jurisdiction, you see why I say we have got caught up in Kuriakos and totally abdicated Ecclesia. And then the so-called woke, enlightened New Testament believers have totally felt like church is not necessary. It's about kingdom. They too have walked in ignorant stupidity. Because as they say, you can't throw the baby with the bathwater. Church is a requirement for governing the earth. It is by the church that the systems of this world ought to be governed. That's our place as the purpose of the church. That's what we missed. And everybody else took over. And now the church is scrambling to find her place. But we are coming. The unbelieving world is under your jurisdiction. You should be fully competent to settle this trivial lawsuits among yourselves. I'm not talking with this person. This person upset me. I don't see that being... The foolishness stinks. It stinks. Why did you go and tell this person like this? You have a problem. Gift has a problem with, with Chukudi. And Gift came to me to tell me. And you have a problem with it. Who should they tell? Your landlord? Or your town's, town's meeting general secretary? We should settle the matters here. We. How did Paul even know? Is that they reported to Paul in their letter to him. Now see verse 3. For surely you know that we will one day judge angels. How much less matters. When you should be looking forward to judging these mighty beings. You are here fighting over. I talk, I didn't talk. I said, I didn't say. I go, I didn't go. I come, I didn't come. I frown face, I didn't frown face. I said, I didn't say. I submitted, I didn't submit it. When what God has in store for you is for you to judge angels. Message, verse 3. Go back from verse 2. The day is coming when the world is going to stand before a jury made up of Christians. The world. Not Jesus, oh. 
That is the dream. We are judging the world. If someday you are going to rule on the world's fate, you. Would it be a good idea to practice on some of these smaller cases? You see why I hate pettiness? Me, Alexander. I hate pettiness with a passion. You cannot be a son of God that understands kingdom, understands the will of God and be petty. You cannot. You cannot understand what God has in store for us and reduce it to emotion. It's not possible. I hate, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. It doesn't. I hate petty. I can't stand it. Because what God has loaded us for Jesus will sit there and say, what do you think on this one? How do we deal with this matter now? What's the, what's, what, what are we legislating on this one? And you will say judgment and as you judge, so shall it be. And we are in church playing nonsense. How shall we then get there? So we are saying, come Lord Jesus, we are the one delaying it. And not for good. We can't handle ourselves. And imagine angels looking at you, knowing that you are the jury in their case, and seeing how you are behaving. Verse 3. Why? We're even going to judge angels. So why not this everyday affairs? NLT. Verse 3. Don't you realize that we will judge angels? If only the church knew her mandate. I like what I'm about to say now. We will judge angels. So it would have been a problem if angel is teaching you how to live, if you would judge how they lived. If you're the one that will determine if they did their jobs well, then it's clear that they have no right to determine how you do yours. That then brings angels to exactly where they're supposed to be. Our servants, not our masters. So next week, we'll see how they serve us in this day and age. And you can put angels in their rightful place and use them in their rightful place. Because now you have removed them from objects of worship. You have removed them from objects of prayer. You have removed them from objects of encounter. Father, I want to see angels. You have removed them from the place where they interfere with sonship matters. They don't. And we have seen why. Because you are their judge. So when we, when we speak and we say angels have charge over you, you know what that means. It is their duty to look after you. All their power and might is in alignment with God's will at your disposal. God's will at your disposal. At your disposal in alignment with God's will. And then you begin to understand angelic ministration. You will know when an angel interjected in a matter. You will know. You understand when you went past a place where there was evil and they were waiting and they didn't see you. Because some big angel went past and just covered you. You, you understand divine interferences of angelic nature because they are duty bound to respond to God's will concerning you. Are you hearing me? Yeah. God's will concerning you. Your privilege is immense oh. Your privilege as son of God is immense. Oh, that your eyes will open to see the realities of your sonship. 
Oh, that your eyes will open to see that the entirety of heaven is invested in you. You as you are. You as you, you are not a non You cannot be a non-entity. You are not. You are an entity extraordinary. There is no non-entity in the kingdom. None. 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 There is none. Each one of us is precious. Each one of us is loaded. Each one of us is mighty. Each one of us is special. Each one of us is a son of God. And none of us should be disadvantaged. None. He goes before us. He goes ahead of us. He goes upon us. Because he goes within us. <laughs> Before, behind, upon. Because within. <laughs> Did you hear me? Because he is within. He projects himself on every side of you. You are guarded. You are guided. You are protected. You are secure. I've said it in this house over and over. It's not your barbed wire that keeps you safe. It's not your burglary proof that keeps you safe. It's not your security man. That guy is a gate man. He opens the gate and locks it. Your security is not in his hands. It's the Lord. And he, he facilitates these things by your nannies. They help you cross the road. They hold your hand. Because they're bigger than you. They're stronger than you. Somebody comes to harass you. They stand up for you. Because they're due to, how would they explain to their boss that something happened to you on their watch. So they jealously look out for you. They have charge over you. You are never alone. Ever. This is a good place to give God praise. Come on, go ahead and celebrate. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.